that God is for us, God is with us, He is beside us, He never leaves us, He never forsakes us.
For you alone, God, are worthy, worthy of our praise, of our adoration. We're ready, Lord. Move in us, move through us to accomplish your plans and purposes here on this earth. God, that you are the Lord, the God of restoration. That whatever has been attacked, whatever has been stolen, whatever has been destroyed by the name of Jesus shall be restored. We speak that over our families, over our workplaces, that you are the God of restoration, that you are the God of more than enough. So Father, we lift our hands in worship this morning, knowing that you are our source, you are our example, and you are our loving Heavenly Father, and that you will do more than we could ever hope or ask for. You alone are worthy, Father. So we give you all of our praise. You are welcome in this place. You are welcome in this church. You are welcome in our lives, God. Do what only you can do, Holy Spirit. Lead us and guide us. We are your children, and we will obey. We will follow. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good. Would you just lift your hands and say that this morning? Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. Praise you, Heavenly Father, the God of more than enough. We're so grateful, Lord, for the things that you've done in our life, the times you've always been faithful, and God, we count on you and know that you always will be. In every need, in every circumstance, you are more than enough. Hallelujah. Isn't he good? Praise you, Lord. Aren't you glad to be in church this morning? Would you give a round of applause for this worship team? Thank you guys so much for your efforts and your time. Would you turn and greet one another? Let, it, let everybody know that you love them, that you're welcome. They're here this morning.
No, children, you can't go. Go back to your seats. It's Mother's Day. Go back to your seats. Isn't it good to be in church this morning? Well, first of all, happy Mother's Day. Uh, we have a few things that we're going to get to this morning. But as we were, were worshiping this morning, you know, mothers are important. And I'm sure that you're going to hear a lot about that today. But I'm reminded that if you look at Jesus' ministry, what was the first miracle that he did? He did it for his mama. Isn't that good? She knew she could trust him. And even, you know, remember his answer. It sounded almost like a teenager, a little snarky, right? Woman, come on. If I did that, I'd just, you know. But he honored her and he did what she asked him to do. You know, there's a blessing when you walk in a life that honors your mother. So mothers, we honor you today. Uh, and we have a few things that we want to do. So if you are a mom, would you please stand so we can honor you this morning? Every mother in the room, spiritual moms, physical moms, everyone. If you've poured into the life of somebody, a younger lady other than yourself, you are a spiritual mom as well. We want to make sure we honor you today. Thank you all for being here. Y'all look so pretty today. Not that you don't always look pretty, but y'all look so pretty today. We have a few awards that we want to bring. Littles, will you come on up real quick? Pastor Beth, there's four. When? I only know three, so you'll have to yell at me. I'll keep one. Okay. So we want to make sure that we honor uh, the moms every year. We do a few different giveaways. It looks like we have Bath and Body Works stuff. That's so awesome. Y'all be looking good and smelling good by the end of church. That's going to be amazing. So the first one that we have is we want to honor our newest first-time mother. So if you have a child that is under one year old, would you please stand up? Uh, your first child. Your first child. Cheater. Is there anyone else? I see Miss Nicole Tilo in the back. We want to honor her today. Miss Nicole, thank you. Go ahead. Run one back there, one of you. Our newest first-time mother. You know, we had a discussion on how we would announce that one. Because it's not just the newest baby. It's the newest first-time mom. Because if you have a 12-year-old, how long have you been a mother? And you just had another one. Some of y'all, late in the game, added more to the bunch. I love it. But that's our newest first-time mom. Congratulations, Nicole Tilo. Now, ladies, I would never ask you this unless Pastor Beth told me to. This award is for the... Most seasoned mother. So if you are a mother and you are in the room and you are above the age of 60, let's start there. If you're above the age of above the age of 70? 80. Okay, we're going straight to 80. Anyone over 80? Colin, you don't count. I'm just kidding. Is there an 80? Right here. Is there anyone else? I won't even ask, and I know you would bear the badge with honor, but thank you for being here today, our oldest mother that is in the building. Go ahead, run one out there. Every week she's there giving me hugs after worship, and I love it. Now, this is the only other one that I know we have, but we have two, so we'll figure this out in a moment. We have, uh, we discussed this one. If you are the mom with the most family in attendance today, 
So if you came with your family with more than six people, now, now let, me, let me say this. It's the oldest mom in the circle, right? Like any connection, like the Lemp family, it would be Star, right? You would you get credit for all of those people. It looks like Noah's sitting with you. You can take credit for him too. <laughs> so if you are uh, the, the matriarch of the family that is here in the building today and you brought more than six people with you, will you stand up? You don't have to be a, a one that's here all the time. More than six. Is there anyone? I'm looking in the back. Is there a Tilo that's back there? There's a whole bunch. How many do you have, Mama Tilo? The whole row. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We're going to give them ten? Is that what we're going to do today? All right, that's awesome. Let's go ahead and give it to Mama Tilo all the way in the back. This is like an award show. They're sweeping up. Should we just give them the third one as well? How many did you bring with you? Today in church? Yes, you're a mother. Congratulations. That's awesome. What's the fourth one, Pastor Beth? The mother who is, it's going to be a Tilo. The mother who has traveled the furthest to be in the building today. Anyone driven, has driven, has drove, has, what is it, sweetie? Driven? Has driven more than 60 miles to be with us this morning in church? A mother. Or flown, but I think if you flew, you didn't fly to be with us at church today. I'm just kidding. Anyone more than 60 miles? Well, how about we do this? We have a spiritual mother that has led this church for the past 35 years. So we're going to give this last award to Pastor Beth. Would you please stand and honor Pastor Beth? Did you see that look she gave me? Thank you, Littles. You can sit down. Thank you, Pastor Beth, for all you do. You've been there for me since I was eight years old, and I appreciate you. Thank you for leading this church, and we're excited to hear what you have for us today. All right, guys. Now, kids, you can't leave again. You still have to stay. We want you to be part of our baby dedication this morning. It's going to be a blessing to you. A few announcements that I want to get to. Let me get all my different devices and make sure I don't miss another text from Pastor Beth. Give me one moment. Okay, here we go. If you haven't already felt welcome enough, we want to welcome our online visitors today. And is there anyone in the building today that's visiting us for the first time? Would you raise your hand if there's anyone visiting for the first time this morning? Do I see it? We got the Tilos. Look at the row in the back. Just That looks good. We want to make sure you guys feel welcome. We know why you're here, but we trust that the Word of God will minister to you today and know that that row can permanently be yours anytime you come visit us. Just let me know, and the ushers will block that off. Thank you guys for being here today uh, with us. Did I miss anybody else? Okay, perfect. Y'all y'all are used to dealing with my antics up here, so thank you. Uh, our next one that we want to make sure you know about, we have, we're returning to our Monday men's Monday, oh gee whiz, our Monday night men's ministry meeting, we do that once a month, it's the third Monday of every month, that will be on Monday, May 16th, it's a great time to get together with the men of the church, uh, we usually have about uh, a 20 minute message followed by group discussions, it's a great time to get to know other men who are walking out this life of faith with you, amen, and then also we have uh, a young mom's breakfast coming up, that will be Thursday, May 19th at 9.30 a.m., friendship, breakfast, and encouragement, 
and free babysitting. <laughs> Come on. That's worth its weight in gold these days, fam. I want to make sure that you know about that, but you need to email and register. There should be a thing up on the screen or on the church website as well, but you can email office at foothillfamily.com to register for that. I want to encourage you young moms to join together and be there to be ministered to and get some free breakfast. Also on Sunday, May 22nd at 6 p.m., we're going to have a night of worship here in the building, so make sure to join us for that. It's always a good time of prayer and worship. How many of y'all just like to worship on your own in the car? Anybody else? How many of y'all are a little shy about worship with other people around you because you, you, you don't always sing the best? But you know that, that the Bible says, make a new song unto the Lord. So every noise that comes out of your mouth, it may be new, it may be surprising to you, but he is glorified by that noise. Amen. So come and worship with us that night as well. Uh, ladies, there's a Bible study with Pastor Beth on Tuesday, May 24th at 7 p.m. That will be here at the church. Fellowship and light refreshments. Whole bunch of stuff going on this summer between the kids and the youth and the young adults. So make sure to check the church website in the bulletin for that. There's camp dates in there as well. And I think registration for most of those events are open as well. Guys, that is all that I have for you today. So I'll turn it over to Pastor Mike. Amen. Well, we have a baby dedication scheduled for today. So if the three families and their baby would come forward, we'll get set up. Beth, do you want to help me with this? Hallelujah. You know, it occurred to me one day, several years ago, why God picked Abraham. Abraham was an idol worshiper, just like the rest of the world was at that time. What caused him to choose Abraham? We know Abraham is the father, our father in faith. So I thought that was probably the reason. But when you examine Abraham's life, there were times where he was in doubt and unbelief, just like there may be times in our lives when we have been as well. But in Genesis chapter 18, I saw the only thing that God said about Abraham that would distinguish him from anybody else, and as far as we know, is the only thing or the only reason that he chose Abraham instead of somebody else to make a covenant with. And that was that Abraham would teach his children the ways of the Lord. God was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But he was visiting with Abraham before the, the angels went into the city to destroy those cities. And he said, shall I hide from Abraham that which I do? Seeing he shall teach his children to know the ways of the Lord. God picked Abraham, at least as far as we know, because of his willingness to pass on his, his covenant heritage with his children. We're here to dedicate these three babies this morning, and it's just as much a parent dedication as it is a baby dedication because they're, these parents are choosing publicly to declare their faith in God and to help establish a relationship with God and their children. We've got three families. We've got Ryan and Nicole, 
and baby Duke. You better watch out. It's going to be a couple of months and he'll be bigger than you. We've got Kurt and Megan and baby Asher. And then we've got James and Tara and their baby Peter. I'm going to pray over all of these children collectively to begin with, but then we'll lay hands on them as well. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you on behalf of these families, and we ask you to make yourself known to these children at an early age. And at that early age, we ask that they would know, these children would know, your plan and your purpose for their lives. Father, there's nothing that's more important to these families and to these children than to know your purpose and to know what you've called them to do in this life. So, Father, we lay hands on them and we impart unto them the spirit of wisdom. We pray that the, the favor of God would be upon them in everything that they do. We thank you, Lord, for leading them and guiding them according to your purpose in Jesus' name. We lay hands on this little boy and we ask, Father, the same spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of you would be upon them. We thank you, Father, for making your will known to him at an early age and to this family. Father, we lay hands on this boy. We thank you for making yourself known to him. And Lord, we pray that you would guide this family, all of these families, in the truth of the word to such a degree that these kids would know Jesus all the days of their lives. We count it so in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's give these families a round of applause.
Folks, we want to give you an opportunity to give this morning. The ushers are in the aisles and they have offering envelopes if you'd like to receive one or if you need one. And there, there's a slide above me, I'm sure, that is showing you other ways to give. I want to share something with you that the Lord's been dealing with me about. One of the things that the Bible tells us that God swore by himself, there are two things that he established as an ordinance, a non-changing, never-ending ordinance. He prefaced those things by saying, as truly as I live. And the, the life of God has two characteristics that are different from any other type of existence. As truly as I live encompasses the eternal nature of God and the unchanging nature of God. The two things that God said would be unchanging and eternal, unchanging and eternal laws, if you will, is that his glory would be seen and known in all the earth and that he would deal with man according to what he says. One of the things that the Bible tells us about the children of Israel when God was bringing them out of bondage in Egypt, there were ten plagues that he brought upon them in judgment. The first was the turning of the Nile River into blood and then all the water of the land also became blood. The second was the plague of frogs. The third was the plague of lice. Now the third plague was where the, the uh, magicians that served Pharaoh recognized and told Pharaoh that this was God. They duplicated the first two plagues somehow, but the third plague they couldn't duplicate and they recognized as the hand of God upon Egypt. But God made a separation from the time of Joseph preparing a place for his family in the, the land of Egypt, in the land that was called Goshen. It was the place that they lived, the children of Israel lived for all of the 430 years that they spent in bondage. But God did something different. He separated the land of Goshen to be free from the plagues, the other remaining plagues. God said it this way in Exodus chapter 8, verse 22. He said, And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, and that thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth, and I will put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. We're facing some difficulties, not only in our, our country and our land, but also around the world. And things are accelerating toward the end. And it seems like they accelerate more and more day by day or week by week. But the thing that I wanted to share with you is that the Lord has given the, the church promises. 
And there are some promises that have not yet been fulfilled. The Bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the, the just. And if God is going to show his glory in a greater and mightier way than ever before in the history of mankind, then there's going to have to be some things that are separating us from the world. The world economy is racing headlong into disaster. But God separates us. And I believe that we should put our faith on and make our confession to the promises that God has made and expect there to be a difference with us and how we operate in the world in these last days from the rest of the world and the way they operate. There's a lot of fear. We know the fears of the devil. And we know that everybody that's peddling fear or influencing people to be afraid is working in concert with the devil, whether they know so or not. But I'm here to tell you that, and you judge this for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. You see what the Holy Ghost tells you about it. But I believe with all my heart the Lord wants to separate us in these last days so that we live above the world, so that we live above the world system. We live above the, the destruction and the turmoil that the world is bringing upon itself with the things that we see going on in the last days. We are in this world, but we're not of it. And the thing that separates us and brings us out of the world is acting on the truth of his word. So I'm going to say a prayer for us, a prayer over you, to recognize that a part of God's work in these last days is to separate, to show himself strong by separating his people from the famines, the destruction, the disaster that is coming upon this earth. So let's pray. Father, I thank you in the precious and holy name of Jesus for separating the church in these last days, just as you separated your people from the plagues of Egypt. We thank you, Father, that your, your will and your mercy and your glory shall certainly be seen on the earth, for you have sworn it by yourself that it would be so. Thank you, Father, that we live above this world system. We live above sickness and disease. We live above poverty and lack. We live according to what Jesus purchased for us instead of the way the rest of the world lives. Thank you, Father, that David said, I was once young and now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. Thank you for doing it for us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Family, once you've had the chance to give, would you stand and worship with us again today?
Well, you might be surprised I'm standing up here this morning. But Pastor Mike uh, told me last Sunday after church, he said, well, during the service, came in my heart, what would you think about preaching next Sunday? Well, when the pastor asks you a question like that and you pray about it, you better get the answer yes. And I just said to him, I, I'm not going to pray about it today because I had had a busy weekend. I'll wait till tomorrow. So anyway, he, he and Jesus said yes, yeah, so that's why I'm here. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we ask that in the name of Jesus, you would speak to each of our hearts today. The living word of God. That the Holy Spirit would make the word of God real to our hearts as only he can do. And so speak through me today the words that you would have to be said, that you would direct us, that you would encourage us, that you would correct us. For, Lord, we declare over our lives, over our families, and over our church, we declare restoration. We declare increase. And we declare glory. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, and if you can agree with that, say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Chip was wrong. I'm not talking about mothers today. He already did that. So all the men are happy about that. Yes, oh, the children should leave. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, the children are dismissed. Thank you. Thank you. title of my message this morning is Love, the Way to Victory. And uh, the Bible says that in the last days that the love of many, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. And certainly we have seen that progressing uh, over time, it, just in the last some odd decades, the love of many waxing cold. You can see it when you drive your car on the freeway. People aren't, aren't so impatient anymore. They'll yell at you. They'll curse at you. They'll cut you off. You can see it in what's happening with abortion across our nation. People fighting for first and second and third trimester abortion. Who would think of it? Women doing even such things. You can see it uh, in families. You can see it wherever we look that the love of many is waxing cold. Uh, people also casually say, I love you. Love you. I love you. I love Everybody, have you noticed how many people just say that so flippantly, the words love you? And yet, really, do we know what the word means, love? Most people, when they say that and when they think of that, even the church, they think of it as like an affectionate feeling. It's the thing to do. You're supposed to tell people you love them, so I'll just say it. But do we ever really analyze what do those words really mean when we say those words? We as believers are supposed to be like God. And the Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave. Think about it. We were enemies of God. Enemies. We hated God. The world hated God. The world wasn't looking for a savior. They'd rebelled against God. And yet God, he makes the rain to fall on the just and on the unjust. God is so good 
that he gives and he loves when people hate him. And so we're going to look a little bit just at some scripture today and some things to be reminded of. The things that I'm sharing today, it's nothing new. I, I don't think to anybody in here, but we're supposed to be reminded of things in the word of God. Hallelujah. So if you want to turn with me uh, first to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14. There's a difference between a natural human love and the God kind of love. Human love can turn to hatred. You know, I love you, and many people, you know, young people get married for this reason. I marry that person not because uh, of anything else except I like how they make me feel. They make me feel wonderful, They're, and I like that, so I'm going to marry them. And then they get married, and that person doesn't necessarily make them keep feeling that way anymore because marriage settles in. And uh, problems settle in, right? But when we love people the way that God loves them, natural human love is very different from the love of God. The love of God sees every human being as valuable and precious. So 1 John 3, 14, it says, For we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. So when we are born again, we pass from death, spiritual death, unto spiritual life. And how do we know that? Because hatred that used to be on the inside of us, that we've been made a new creature, we've been made a new person, and that, that old man has been made a new creature and a new person in Christ. And we were once filled with the devil, and when we're born again, we're filled with the love of God. And so it is impossible for someone who is a believer, who is a Christian, really to hate if they're acting from their heart. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love the brethren. I remember one time uh, saying, uh, uh, you know, I always taught my children, and I always knew never to say, you know, I, I hate Jose. Of course, I could never hate you, Jose. You know that. But I, I knew you should never do that. But I said something very flippantly around uh, Kenneth Hagin. Um, maybe it was a food that I didn't like, or it was something, you know, just like an object. Or, oh, I hate such and such. I was about 20 years old when I said this. And with the most compassion and love and concern, he said to me, please don't use that word hate. Please don't use that word. That word shouldn't even be in your vocabulary. You're full of God's love. I tell you, that hit me like a ton of bricks. And he was right. Even using that word casually about, I hate onions. I hate, no, we don't, we don't, I mean, we should hate sin. That is one thing the Bible says we should hate. We should hate evil and we should hate sin. Why? Because it hurts people. That's why we hate it, because it hurts people. But, um, but it's where it says, he that loveth not his brethren abideth in death. Okay, turn with me now to John chapter 13. We'll look at verses 34 and 35. John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you. 
that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. So when Jesus came under the new covenant, we don't have to keep the Ten Commandments anymore. He gave us a new commandment, and that new commandment is the law of love. But if you think about it, if you love somebody, you're not going to steal from them. If you love somebody, you're not going to bear false witness against them. So when you love somebody, you're not going to do any of the things that the Ten Commandments say you shouldn't do. But the Ten Commandments was done a, a, under the Old Covenant, and it was a set of rules, and it was a set of laws. But when we become born again, something supernatural happens. We are made new in Christ, and the love of God is in us. If we will let the love of God that's in our heart dominate our natural mind, dominate our natural thinking, then we will let that love dominate, let that love dominate us. Uh, you know, it's uh, somebody once said, and we're to love one another. We're to love the world, but we're to love one another. There's been so much that has happened in the last number of years, and it's been the devil to endeavor to divide the church to divide culture, to divide by color, to divide the church, to pick at one another. And we cannot be uh, ignorant of Satan's devices. He is the master deceiver. He is the master tricker. We are one blood in Jesus. We are united by the blood of Jesus. And of all the world, this is the time for the world to see us love one another. And not judge one another. Okay, this is a little soapbox thing here. I didn't plan to say, but I am. Ooh. <laughs> We're all at different places, and God deals with us differently. I stopped shopping by and large at Target some years ago because they didn't celebrate Christmas and because they, because they give to abortion. But if you shop at Target, I'm not going to judge you. And I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong. And I'm not going to be offended at you because God will deal with you about things like that differently than he'll deal with me. And so should we, and social media makes it so easy, doesn't it? Everybody just spouts off on social media. And somehow social media has made everybody think that we all want to know what you have to think about everything. Right? We don't have to express our opinion about everything that's happening in the world. But if you do, I'm not going to judge you, okay? But we should, above all, preserve the unity of the Spirit among us and recognize when, when people start gossiping, when people start dividing, when people start making assumptions, it is the devil to endeavor to divide the church. And there's a lot of the church 
we don't believe with, believe exactly the same with uh, the word of God and everything. But you know what? In these days, should we not unite with other believers regardless of our doctrinal differences? I mean, as long as they're, you know, as long as it's not something completely unbiblical, right? Shouldn't we unite around the gospel and around getting people born again and teaching the foundation of the things of Christ like never before? Amen. We should. And so we must be on our guard that the devil will try to divide us. And this has been my purpose. Oh, Lord, never by me. May I never do anything that would divide or be divisive. We do things sometimes and we don't know that we've done it. But let's give each other mercy. Anyway, somebody once said something like this. Churches eat their own. The church eats its own. They kick people when they're down. And it's true. It's scriptural too. Galatians 5.15 says, If you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Pastor Mike teaches so much on the words of our mouth. And yet we should guard the words of our mouth as far as love is concerned. Because our faith works by our love. And, if, and I know different times in my life when the Holy Spirit has brought this truth back around to me. It's just been like, just don't say very much. Just, just don't talk until you can get, until you make these changes in your life. Just don't say anything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, turn with me now to Ezekiel chapter 36, if you will. So I have a few points to make today about the love of God. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, all the law is fulfilled in the new commandment of love. So we're going to read three scriptures real quickly here now. Ezekiel chapter 36. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 8 through 10. It says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant and regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in or into their hearts. And I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. So wonderful thing happened when Jesus came and gave us the new birth. We no longer have to look up at the Ten Commandments every day and all the other Levitical laws. Okay, am I doing this today? Did I'm doing this? We can live out of the heart of love that we have now been made, and we, it's, it's easier. 
It's easier. It's free. It's easy to do. We listen to this new commandment of love in our hearts. Romans chapter 13 and verses 8 through 10. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another has fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We love our neighbor, we're not going to do those things. Verse 10, this is a good one. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Love worketh no ill. We should think before we do or say anything, how is what I am going to say or do, how is it going to affect this person? Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. That means sometimes you don't defend yourself. That means sometimes when you feel like, well, I have, I have my rights and I have my say, mm. but how is it going to affect what you say or what you do? How is it going to affect that other person? Love always wins. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. All the commandments are, are fulfilled in one commandment, the commandment of love. Okay, number two, the love of God is shed abroad in the heart of every believer. Turn with me to Romans 5, verse 5. I love this scripture. It's a good scripture to remind yourself about. Romans 5, 5. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. The love of God is not shed abroad in our heads. The love of God is not shed abroad in our emotions. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which he has given unto us. There are times we can say things, and the whole while we're saying it, something that is unloving in some way or that's hurtful to somebody, and if we really are sensitive to our spirit, then when we're saying that out of our anger, out of our flesh, out of our emotion, and we listen to our heart. Our heart is gone. It's feeling scratchy on the inside. Oh, you should not be saying that. It's because our heart doesn't agree with it. How important it is in this area for, for our words to be most effective when we take authority in prayer. When we take authority in faith by speaking God's word, that we are true to the words that we speak in between those times and walk in the love of God. In more, in more recent years, and I've shared this with the women, it has become so important to me for God to speak to me his word. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we could all say that, you know, maybe when we've read a scripture or in a time of prayer that, uh, you know, a, a particular scripture that we've read many times before, suddenly it came alive to us. God spoke that scripture to our heart. God wants to do that in our lives regularly. 
He wants us to be so full of his word that when we are facing times of discouragement, when we're facing times of challenge, when, when, we're, when we're just going through a, a difficult time, we don't have to look to somebody else. And thank God we can. We're in different places at different times. So it's okay. That's why we need the body of Christ to encourage one another. But in case you can't get to anybody else, the Holy Spirit wants to be able to speak that word to you that it's so strong, it holds you steady. It's so strong, it gives you hope. It gives you faith. It, it, it causes you to, to stand up. Hallelujah. And how am, I have the Holy Spirit tell me, like, you know, when you maybe just kind of want to spout something off, not that I've arrived, dear Lord Jesus, no. Uh, not that I've arrived. It's our goal to be made perfect in love. It's our goal to, to become mature in love. But I've had the Holy Spirit speak to my heart and go, you want to say those words? And I know what he means by it. We grieve him by words that we speak. He's grieved. He still loves us. And he's still there. And he'll still forgive us. He's good. But the fellowship just isn't quite the same. How much we want God to use us in prayer. How much we want God to use us in speaking our authority. That we have to watch the love walk. It says in uh, Mark chapter 11, you remember, we know the great messages on faith. You know, uh, whosoever shall say unto this mountain and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have, have what's forever he saith. And then two verses later, it says, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any. So faith and the love of God work hand in hand. Born-again Christians, many born-again Christians, they live by their heads. They live in the flesh. They yield to their flesh. And they don't listen to the love of God in their hearts. And so consequently, God wants to bless us. God wants to speak through us. God wants to do so much for us, but we tie his hands from doing the things that he wants to do because we're so walking in the natural. He, he's like, I want to bless you. I want to help you, but you can't even hear my voice because your mouth is so busy spewing. Turn with me over to Ephesians chapter 4, please. Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll look at verse 29. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. The first three chapters of Ephesians are uh, more positional scriptures of who we are in Christ. And then the, the 4, 5, and 6 are practical. How do we live? And um, I like the practical ones a whole lot. Okay, verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another. Now imagine 
the Apostle Paul is having to encourage the church at Ephesus, the mega church of the day, the in church of the day, to be kind to each other. These are believers he's talking to. Imagine. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Hallelujah. You know, many people have grown up with trauma and rejection and hurt as children. Many people experience it in their lives. And a lot of people, they're just mad at the world. The only answer to it is to be born again. The only answer to that is to be changed on the inside and filled with the love of God. And then to listen to and develop that love of God that should have brought in their hearts. Uh, which takes us to number three. The love of God in the heart of the believer can grow and be developed. So I don't want you to look up these scriptures. I'm just going to read a few scriptures to you real quickly. The love of God that is shed abroad in our heart as a believer needs to, be, needs to grow and needs to develop. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another. Matthew 24.12 because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Philippians 1.9, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ. And then in Galatians 5.22, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And the very first fruit listed there is love. Uh, fruit grows. Therefore, love can grow. So we have to yield to it and develop, and develop it. So when a person is born again, and maybe they have a lot, of, a lot of hurts, trauma, they've suffered rejection. Um, you know... Uh, a lot of people don't stop and think about it, and actually I didn't until I was older. But um, many great men of God, if you read their stories, had very difficult childhoods. They were orphans. They were abandoned. Uh, many, many have these, uh, have stories like this. Brother Hagen, Brother Hagen's father left him when he was just a young boy. I think he was four. Do you remember what it was? I think it was about four. His father left. He left, and the, his mother then was uh, under so much stress, having been left with the children, that she had a mental breakdown. And so then he had to go to and live with his grandparents for a while because his both mother and father weren't around. He had so much... Uh, and he tells about it in his testimony, how much uh, hatred he had in him. Hatred. His brother, Dub, which um, Pastor Mike and I, <laughs> I knew his brother, Dub. Dub Hagen, who did he run with? Was it Bonnie and Clyde? Yeah. Brother Hagen, a little bit of trivia there for everybody. Brother Hagen's brother, uh, we traveled with him some after he got born again. 
he did get born again. And so it wasn't, you know, and, and besides, we are, we were born after Bonnie and Clyde too, I know, yes. But anyway, his, um, his brother, uh, he ran with Bonnie and Clyde. They were, those children, they were hateful. One time, Brother Hagen took, when he was li- a little kid, he was under 10, I don't remember his age, it was like 7 or 8, he, t- he was so mad at his brother, Dub, that he took a hammer and he hit him in the head with a hammer. You think you have problems with your kids. So there was so much trauma, you know, trauma in, in these, and many great men of God. And yet I can tell you that Brother Hagen, having known him personally, was one of the greatest lovers of people. Never spoke against anyone when people would write lies about what he said. Never spoke against him. Never, ever did. So uh, no matter the trauma that we experience in life, no matter the difficulty that we experience growing up or at any point in life, because of the love of God in us, love of God never fails. And if we will feed that love and we will yield to that love of God, then we can be victors and overcomers. There is no spiritual growth without growing in love. Uh, when we were in um, Turkey, uh, they were uh, telling the story about the uh, Apostle John. Um, and you remember how much he wrote, you know, the disciple who Jesus loved and all. But I, I wish I could tell it as well as those who were saying it when, uh, when we were there in Turkey. But they, we were in a place where he gave, the Apostle John gave his last message he was in his 90s, early 90s, and he was tired. <laughs> he was weak. He was tired, and so he got up, and his message was three words. God is love. That was all he said. So, you know, you think about people at the end of their life. They usually want to tell you the most important, the thing is that is most important. They want to leave it with you because you know, we know the, the longer we live, the more we see what's really important in life. Things that you think are so important when you're younger, as you get older, you realize, oh, the things I stressed out about, it <laughs> wasn't worth stressing out about. And so he felt with the strength that he had that that was the most important message to give. God is love. So what we need to do in semi-conclusion I don't want you to think it's only going to be five minutes, but it won't be long. In semi-conclusion, what should we do with this knowledge of God's love? Okay, first, we need to feed on the word of God about the love of God. Uh, Turn with me over to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And um, I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible. This would be good to read every day. Say it about yourself every day. Pray it over your family every day. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. We need to feed our spirits on the word of God. How important that is. We're not going to grow in God. We're not going to be in peace. We're not going to live in victory if we don't feed our spirits on God's word. So starting in verse 4. 
Love endures long and is patient and kind. You know, a lot of people, they, they endure long, but they're not patient or kind. Another uh, translation says about this, um, oh, it starts with an S, and it means peace. Who's going to give me that word, huh? No. Other guesses? For gift? I'm joking. S not senility. Anyway, it means peace, and it's not shalom. It's a, it's a different word. I'm sorry. It's, it escaped me. But love endures long and is patient and kind. In other words, you're, as you're enduring, you're peaceful about it. You're not agitated. You're not gritting your teeth. I'm enduring, and I'm not saying anything, but I'm just gritting my teeth about this. The love of God doesn't grit its teeth. It's peaceful about it. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude or unmannerly and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. Everything about society, oh, I have to get off on this. Everything about society now. Ladies, I don't, there all those ladies' magazines, delete them from your Instagram, delete them from, <laughs> from your email, delete it. Because all it will teach you is me, 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 me. It's all about me. How should everybody treat me? I, 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 I. That is not the love of God. The Bible says the love of God does not insist on its own rights. Imagine that. Giving and loving someone else and preferring them above yourself. And really, that's what life should be about. That's what the church should be about. That's what family should be about. Outdoing one another in the love of God preferring one another first. Just think, if I prefer you first and you prefer me first, well, we're just trying to outdo each other in the love of God. Hallelujah. What a beautiful place. That is heaven on earth. Hallelujah. But the world, all the world teaches. Schools teach. Everybody teaches. Putting yourself first. You know, now, of course, if you're in an airplane and the mask comes down, you should put the air over yourself first so you can help your children. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> I'm glad you found that funny. Anyway, okay, God's love in us does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. Wow. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. You know, it says when God forgives us, he forgets it as far as the east is from the west. We actually have the ability to forget how people have done us wrong. And you know what helps? Not thinking about it and not talking about it. When you're tempted to think about it or you're tempted to talk about it, just don't. And pretty soon, it fades and you forget it. Amen. 
It does not rejoice, verse 6, at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It is ever ready to believe the best of every person. And with that, I just want to say here, no, no, I won't. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. So we need to feed ourselves, feed our spirits on the word of God about love. Then we need to think love thoughts. When thought comes to us of jealousy, when a thought comes to us of, oh, that person, whatever, you know, you can't help the birds that fly over your head. We can't stop thoughts from coming to our mind. The devil's going to bring thoughts to our mind. Our flesh is going to bring thoughts to our mind. But as the saying goes, you can stop stop the birds from making a nest in your hair. So just because a thought comes to us doesn't mean we need to meditate on it. As soon as that thought comes of whatever it is that is not a scriptural thought, that is not a thought of love, replace it with something else. I found, for me, replacing it, immediately I pray for the person. Yeah, the devil will stop bringing you thoughts about things as soon as you stop praying for that person. And it doesn't have to be long, you know. I pray for Bill. You know, Bill, oh, Bill. Father, I just pray for Bill. Thank you for Bill. Thank you that he loves you. I just lift him up today. I thank you that he walks in the truth of the word of God. I thank you, Lord, that he walks in the will of God. As soon as you start praying for somebody, oh, that thought will be gone. So we have to think love thoughts, and then we have to speak love words. A story I wanted to uh, just briefly share with you about um, Smith Wigglesworth. Pastor Mike has mentioned him uh, numerous times. He was a, and if you don't know about him, we have many of his books in our bookstore. Apostle of Faith. He saw 27 people raised from the dead. And he um, uh, would just, he knew God. And, but before he did, his wife, he was a plumber. And his wife, Polly, um, knew, came to the Lord before Smith did. And he was apparently just a rascal of a guy before he was born again. And he would just treat her terrible. He would make fun of her. You know, she wanted to go to church all the time. But she would always be sweet to him. She didn't preach to him. Which, you know, most times our families, our children, whoever it is, they already know a whole lot. And preaching to them just drives them further away from us and God. Because people just tend to be like, stop preaching to me. So she didn't really preach to him. She just loved him. She made sure that um, he always had food. You know, oh, Smith, I was going to go to such and such tonight. Your, your meal is ready. You know, is there anything else I can do for you? This is the kind of person she was. Oh, yeah, sure, you can go, whatever. You know, that's how he was. Well, one time he was so mad at her because she went to church again that he locked her out of the house. And so she curled up, I guess, by the back door. And when he got up in the morning and he opened the back door, she kind of fell into the house. And, you know, guess what she did? She got up and she said, oh, good morning, dear. Can I make you breakfast? 
I shared that story one time with a, with a gal, encouraging her about the love of God in her marriage. Sadly, she said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to act like that. Are you kidding me? He's just a bum. But that was the love of God that she operated in. And look at him. What a, a you know, who, who knows what he would have done had his wife not treated him with the love of God. So we're to speak love words and we're to live love actions. Always ask ourselves in every situation, what would the love of God do? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We are to be peacemakers. Love is a peacemaker. So let us, let us, uh, like never before, examine our hearts and start, you know, the glory of God starts in our homes. It's easy to love people outside of our home. When, 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 when we learn to truly treat the people in our homes with courtesy and with kindness and with love and endeavor to outdo one each other in love, to make allowances for one another. If somebody is, you know, I, I know I have found it with my husband and I, if one of us is walking in love and walking in the spirit, we're fine. Boy, whenever we have both God in the flesh, it is not a pretty sight. And if both are walking in the spirit, it's good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's pray. Father, thank you for the love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. We examine our hearts and make necessary adjustments to how we think, how we speak, and what we do to let the love of Jesus that is in us flow through us to our families, to our neighbors, to everyone that we come in contact with, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Unite our hearts in spirit like never before. You admonished us in your word, be united in spirit. And so we declare that over, over our church families. Thank you for the peace of God in us as a church family and in our homes that you would strengthen each person by your spirit that we would abound in your love. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Now just keep your heads bowed, please, and your eyes closed. We just want to be sure that everybody here, if there's anybody here you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, You've never asked him to be your savior, to forgive you, to save you, and you would like to do that today. If you would just slip up your hand real quickly. We just don't want to take anything for granted if there's anyone in here like that. Thank you, sir. Amen. Amen. If there's anybody here who would say, I, I did ask Jesus into my heart and I do know Jesus but I have not been walking in fellowship with him like I should. Maybe it's things that you've done. Maybe it's things that you ha should have done but didn't do. His love and his compassion is ever reaching out to you. He's full of tender mercy. He's waiting 
for you to come back to him. So if you would say, you know, I want to make things right today with God. I want to make those adjustments. I would like you to just lift up your hands so we can pray with you today. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, several people. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask those of you who raised your hands, we want to send you to a place of prayer. We won't take a lot of your time, but we feel it's really important for you to make that decision to be prayed with, to be given some information, and if you have any questions that we can help you. So if you want to just be bold about it, Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, then I'm going to be ashamed of you. But if you're not ashamed of me before the Father, I won't be ashamed of you before my Father, which is in heaven. So just be bold about it. Mean business. I'm going to ask you to get up from your seat. Go to the back of the auditorium. There's a man waiting back there with his hand up, and he wants to pray with you. So if you want to just get up from your seat and go there now. Amen. We're cheering you on. We're rooting for you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, sir. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That was the man who wanted asked Jesus in his heart. And there were several. Okay. Amen. Thank you, ma'am. Amen. There were several who raised their hands who didn't get up. That's okay. We're going to pray with you in your seat right now. So just uh, say this after me. Lord, thank you for your love for me. I make the adjustments necessary in my heart. I turn around from the direction I've been going. And I follow fully after you. Thank you for your forgiveness for your cleansing, for your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, if everyone wants to just stand with me, praise the Lord. Thank God. Well, have a wonderful Mother's Day or day, whatever. We love you, and uh, we will see you next Sunday. God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>